Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. So today I have Stasha Roykoff on the podcast. Super excited to dive into our topics today. I've been connecting with Stasha for a while now and we resonate so much on different levels with hormonal health and PCOS and different struggles that women are facing. So I knew she would be a great benefit to the podcast and for you guys to bring her knowledge and expertise. I know she's been through a lot of struggles like hypothyroidism, regular periods, PCOS, disordered eating, and she was able to bounce back from that and become a nutrition and health coach today, coaching women um, through hormonal imbalances and really overcoming challenges so they can live their best life. So she's doing amazing work with that. So I'm super, super excited for this podcast because we're going to be diving into all things periods, menstrual cycle, um, the female cycle. So what does that look like? What is ovulation? How can we track our cycle? What is the point of tracking our cycle? How we can avoid pregnancy or improve our conception rates? with um, tracking as well. And then we're gonna go into some topics like synthetic birth control and natural alternatives. So super packed episode today. I am really excited to get into this. And on another note, before we get started, just wanna mention that 1st of May is the launch of the Healthstyle Emporium, the brand new platform. It's a holistic health online portal and it helps guide you through understanding how to lead a healthy life that is sustainable and that you can actually implement, not just today or for the next week, but for the rest of your life in a way that is healthy and meets your needs and is not about restriction. So this is a unique coaching opportunity that I offer because it combines one-on-one coaching with nutraceuticals, um, so plant-based fruit and veggie, capsules um, as well as this online portal that's really incredible it's launching um, on a whole new portal and that will be including meditation guides exercise guides recipes webinars trainings uh, community for support uh, resources for meal prepping blood sugar balancing reading labels etc the list goes on and on the resources are endless So if you are interested at all, I will put a link in the show notes um, so you can check it out and you can apply for the program so that we can chat. Um, But it's a really cool opportunity um, and I do have a few spots that are open um, for the launch of this new portal. So let me know if you have any questions about that. I'm super stoked about it. Otherwise, let's get into this episode with Stesha. So welcome, Stesha, onto the podcast. I'm super excited for our episode today, all about the menstrual cycle and tracking and understanding our female cycle and fertility. So it's going to be a super packed, um, very informative episode. I'm super, super excited. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. You know, we've connected for a while and this just seemed like the logical next step. Let's do a podcast. Totally. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while, and I know you have so much knowledge around this um, and with your coaching program. So um, yeah, I thought this would be a really great topic to dive into for my audience because a lot of them 
do struggle from hormonal imbalances and PCOS and there's a lot of confusion around the menstrual cycle and what to do, how to regulate it, et cetera, like what these symptoms mean. So we're going to dive into that and answer all of these questions. So before we get started, I would love for you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your journey and how it led you to what you're doing now. Oh, yeah. So like present day, um, I would consider myself a functional nutrition and health coach for women. And so I actually quit my chemical engineering job to pursue this. And it's funny, you know, the changes in my life that led to this career change, like it, it could be started back when I was a teenager. You know, through high school, college, I had an eating disorder. I was totally addicted to running, you know, very unhealthy relationship, um, as many like high school, college girls can attest to. And, you know, just like everyone else, I was also on the birth control pill, which led, you know, to this nice fluffy illusion that, you know, I was getting my period regularly and everything was working just fine, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and fast forward to, so I graduate college and then I start doing CrossFit. And this really helped transition, you know, my focus on what my body looked like to more of what it could do but it was still very dysfunctional, right? Now I'm, I now have all this focus into competing and trying to be the best. So, you know, long story short, I completely burned myself out, you know, adrenally fatigued. I was always puffy. I gained a lot of weight. It was like this total backfire. <laughs> and at this time, I also decided to come off the pill. So then that revealed a whole host of other things. So, you know, PCOS, cystic acne, you know, even infertility. And so, you know, when I was trying to figure all of this stuff out, this was all new to me, right? Like in my world, it was just, you know, hit your macros and, you know, do your training that day. And like, that's all that existed. And so, you know, no doctor could tell me what was going on. Like I almost, it's almost a blessing, right? That they <laughs> didn't stick me on any pills of anything else, like, you know, metformin or anything else to help with PCOS. But, you know, none of my friends knew what was going on or could relate. You know, everyone else was just on birth control, like <laughs> totally zoned out with their bodies. And so, like, I felt really alone in this struggle to try to find myself again. And, um, you know, forget about trying to feel happy and blissful. Like, I just wanted to stop hurting all the time. So because this discomfort was so great, I mean, we're talking about cystic acne all over my face and back, like gained almost 15 pounds. I was always fatigued, like no motivation for anything. And we also um, had a miscarriage at that time as well. So like everything was pretty dark and dismal at this time. And that really motivated me to um, you know, make some radical changes in my life. Like I quit CrossFit, this thing I loved so much. I, I focused 100% on food quality, you know, cutting out anything that might be causing inflammation, totally wiped out the cleaning products, cosmetics, like you name it, I did it. And so, you know, long story short, everything that I've gone through has really pushed me to dig deeper, research, research further, you know, find out more, not only for my clients, but also, you know, for my selfish curiosity and just a necessity. 
Um, and, and, you know, that leads to a lot about what we're going to talk about today, you know, women's hormones, cycles, tracking, the topic of birth control. Um, a lot of this stuff I've, you know, I've learned by myself, um, read books, taken courses, experimented, applied with clients. So that's where we are present day. Yeah, I could see a lot of your story intertwining with mine as well with the PCOS symptoms and just being in a dark place and not having answers, um, you know, which basically leads to us kind of figuring it out on our own because we just weren't given any answers to our questions. So I totally can relate to that. I know a lot of listeners can relate to that as well. We're going to dive into the menstrual cycle specifically. But for you, were there any like big changes to your menstrual cycle when you were going through this time? Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I was tracking before and all of a sudden I started tracking. And so, I mean, that was step one. I really, you know, we really have no idea what's going on until we start tracking it. Like there's this huge gray area of like, I don't know what my cycle was doing at that time because I didn't pay attention to it. Um, I did know that, you know, I had bad PMS, like very bad water retention and bloating. It would seem like my acne would flare up at certain spots, but just in general, I always had it. Um, and in terms of regularity, I think it was a little on the longer side, um, but it was still coming every month. Um, but now from the information that I know, I don't think I was actually ovulating, if that makes sense. So like periods would be really, really light some months, other ones would be really, really heavy. So yeah, once I started honing in on the health aspect, that part of my body became, you know, really regular over time. Yeah. I can't agree more with the tracking. It's literally life changing. Um, and it's so... It's, it just gives you so much information and it's really empowering because you know what's going on and you become so in tune with your body. We're going to get into tracking a little bit more in detail, but first of all, can you talk to us about what we really need to know about the menstrual cycle and about the different phases? Because a lot of us kind of just think like, oh, we know about ovulation and our period and that's it, you know, but there's so much more to it, right? Yeah. like I like to simplify it as much as possible. So you, know, you can think of there's two phases of the cycle, the first half and the second half. The first half is called the follicular phase because this follicle in your ovary is maturing to, to release an egg. So this is considered you know, the first half of your cycle before ovulation, and it's dominated by the hormone estrogen. And so the later part of the cycle is called the luteal phase, and this occurs after ovulation, and it's more dominated by the hormone progesterone. Um, there's a little estrogen going on as well, but dominated by progesterone. And then, of course, the two events that you just mentioned. So the first is your period. You know, that's that's what people like to track. They think like that's the main event, but really, I would argue that ovulation is the main event. Um, but your period is going to mark the first day of your cycle. So day one is that first day you notice you start bleeding and it's where we shed our uterine lining. So ovulation is that middle point between the follicle, sorry, the follicular and luteal phase. And um, 
so that's where the egg is released from the follicle and it travels down the fallopian tube. And um, this usually occurs about day 14 to 17, but every woman's different and every cycle of every woman is different. So we'll get a little more into kind of the myth of day 14 ovulation later, but um, you know, some, some benefits of knowing or the importance of knowing what phase of this cycle you're in is, you know, the obvious, it's going to tell you whether or not you're fertile. So, you know, knowing your fertility status, it's going to allow you to make decisions on whether it's appropriate to have unprotected sex with your partner, whether it's not, depending on your goal, are you trying to get pregnant, are you not? So that's the obvious benefit of knowing. Plus, like there is this opportunity to kind of work your lifestyle in accordance with your hormones. So for example, you know, during the first half of your cycle, you're going to be generally feeling a little more outgoing, flirtatious, maybe more social. So like, you know, during the first half, I try to schedule any lunch dates or like presentations around this time of the month, you know, that might be beneficial. And then on the other hand, in the luteal phase, we're likely to feel more calm, grounded, and that's because of that hormone progesterone. And so, you know, that would be the perfect time to like go for a solo hike, stay home, maybe get some, you know, cleaning and organizing in your house done, and just in general, relax and try to de-stress and prepare for that next cycle. So more you know about your cycle and hormones, the more fun life can be because you're not, you know, trying to fit this square peg in a round hole all the time. Totally. And I'm definitely trying to get that message across more and more with syncing your cycle because I think a lot of women just beat themselves up when they're like feeling more tired or moody and they just are trying to force themselves to be something else. You know what I mean? And then they also kind of compare themselves to, I guess, men because we are um, having more opportunities, for instance, in the workplace, we're trying to do everything like men as well, but we just have to understand that we're not like men, we're not built like them, we are cyclical, we have this cycle that fluctuates throughout the month, so it's really important to be able to tune into that, and I think that's an awesome strategy, what you're talking about, um, to be proactive about it, and then, you know, if you do feel more energized, for instance, during your, your menstrual cycle, then go for it, go do the workout, but if you're literally feeling like you just don't want to do it then you know skip it go for a walk or do yoga instead of the like spin class or the hit workouts yep exactly it's that it's that little piece of like data that can back up your your intuition like oh i just feel like am i feeling lazy or is this really my body trying to tell me something you know knowing that wow two days i'm about to get my period like i could probably stand to just maybe do some like yoga go for a walk just chill. So, um, yeah, really useful for that. And so what are the benefits of tracking your cycle? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yes. Okay. This is my favorite part to teach clients. So tracking your cycle is just, it's the best way to get in tune and become aware of how your body works. You know, just like what we were talking, talking about, you know, like anything, what gets tracked gets managed. So um, just like my story, you know, if we're tracking our cycles, we're paying attention to the signs and symptoms of our body. And, you know, this is going to allow us to make any changes in our lifestyle based on that feedback. Um, you know, many people don't think about this either, but it also helps us communicate with 
you know, if we want to go see a functional doctor, if there's anything ever wrong, we have all of this data um, to bring to them and show them. So, uh, and then of course the obvious, it helps to know if you're ovulating, um, you know, to and, and reassure that we're, we're healthy or um, determine the time of sex we need to have to become pregnant or to avoid sex, to avoid pregnancy, um, those sorts of things. So do you want to go kind of like in the basics of tracking? Yeah, let's kind of go through um, what are the different stages of tracking? Like what do we have to do? Yes, so it's really easy to get started. And then obviously as you get started, you become more aware, you, you can get into more detail and you can really start to interpret what all this stuff means. But anyone can track their cycles. So, you know, whether you're on birth control, you don't have a period, you're pregnant, whatever, because tracking literally just means we're taking a daily observation of your body signs and we're recording them in some kind of app or chart and then making you know, decisions to support the direction wherever you wanna go. Now, it gets a little iffy if we're tracking our cycles as a means to like legit prevent pregnancy. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit, but just in terms of tracking, you know, everyone, every woman should consider doing it because there's so much benefit in that body and self-awareness and you know, tracking is just a great way to provide that connection. So really easy to start. Um, first, we just have to have a means to record that data. So there are fertility tracking chart charts you can print off and use, like if you're an old school pen and paper type of person, um, or you can download an app. So there's lots of apps out there. A few of the most popular ones include Glow, so G-L-O-W. Um, there's also one called Flow, F-L-O. There's Kindera. And then um, a new one I found called Natural Cycles. And so for those who are actually wanting to use um, this tracking method as a means for natural birth control, I definitely go with Natural Cycles because they are the only app, as far as I'm aware of, that is clinically approved by the FDA to be used as a legit contraceptive method. So maybe check that one out. Um, the second step will need a basal body thermometer. So if you do go with natural cycles, the company will actually send you um, a thermometer and that will sync with the app. So that's a pretty easy um, way to go. But if you're already using an app like, say, Glow or Kandera, and you don't really feel comfortable switching to, say, a different app, you'll want to just in invest in a simple digital basal thermometer. So find one that's sensitive enough that measures um, to a hundredth of a degree. Um, I have a few on my Amazon store that we can link to if you are having some trouble picking ones out. I know when you start tracking this stuff, you don't really want to mess around with a $8 um, drugstore thermometer that can be a little iffy. So um, we can link some up for you. Another really popular one is Daisy. And so the Daisy Fertility Tracker. And this is really, it's, it's a pretty expensive thermometer. But, um, you know, the first version was kind of, Kind of crappy to be honest but the second version um, the updated version has Bluetooth 
Um, you can, which, you know, it's going to upload the temperature automatically. You can store any notes about your symptoms. Um, so if you've got, you know, a spare $330 laying around, <laughs> I'd go with the Daisy um, Fertility Tracker for the most accurate and convenient um, method. So once you've got um, both of those things, you can start tracking immediately. Um, you, so what we're doing is tracking our two primary fertile signs. Okay, and those two are cervical fluid and basal body temperature. So tracking your cervical fluid literally just means observing any discharge you might notice in your underwear or on the toilet paper when you wipe. And I know TMI, but this is completely normal and healthy. It's not an infection. This is one of your fertile signs. So the consistency, and this is where you know you start basic and you can start to get really detailed in your observations. So the consistency might range from dry to watery to creamy and then to finally the stretchy egg-white consistency. And so the second sign is gonna be your um, temperature and that's where we're gonna be using the thermometer to measure um, by taking your temperature first thing in the morning. Before you get out of bed, before you toss and turn and roll around, um, you'll also wanna make any notes um, that day that might affect your temperature reading. So things like lack of sleep, um, sickness, hangover, all of those things can influence your temperature. So just making any notes about those will help you um, put the puzzle pieces together eventually. Um, so yeah, you'll just wanna log day in, day out. Um, you'll want to log your period from start to finish, note any heaviness or lightness of flow. That is all important. And, you know, the goal is just to get enough data over the course of a few months to really understand what's normal for your body or like try to find a trend. Obviously, each month is going to be a little bit different than the next. Um, but generally, when we're in a healthy state, they, the, the cycles start to look pretty um, consistent. So um, that is, you know, the, the three or four steps to get started. And so I know that there's the basal body temperature, the cervical mucus and cervical position that are kind of like the three. Obviously, if you do all three, it's the most accurate. Um, but I know a lot of women who don't do cervical position. I don't really do that either. Is that enough to have the, the temperature and the mucus? Um, it is. So that cervical um, position is considered a secondary fertility uh, sign. And so, yeah, it, it generally when starting, it, it's enough to just do these things. And um, I mean, for some women, just like observing and noticing discharge is enough to freak them out, sadly. <laughs> Sticking our fingers up there is just the tipping point where people are like, you know, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So next I want to get into is specifically, since we're in this topic, um, how do we use the tracking to either avoid pregnancy or to increase the chances of conception? Because usually we fall into one of the two um, that we really, really don't want to have a baby or we really, really do want, right? So how do we use what you're just talking about? to strategically avoid it or help conceive? 
Yes. Okay. So the official name of this method is called fertility awareness method. And which honestly, like <laughs> hearing that the first time was a huge turnoff <laughs> for those people. Uh, but essentially we can use that information that we track during our cycle, um, the, the two primary fertile signs uh, to pinpoint the days in which we are actually fertile and therefore would be at an increased probability to conceive if we had unprotected sex at that time. So, I mean, most women think that they're fertile every single day of the month and that if they were to have unprotected sex without a form of like hormonal birth control or condom or other physical barrier, that they'd magically wind up pregnant. And this is why I think there's so much push to get like young girls and women on birth control and, you know, also a lot of fear around coming off birth control, right? Because they think, okay, well, <laughs> as soon as I get off this, you know, I'm going to get pregnant and I'm just not ready to yet. And um, hopefully we can debunk that a little bit um, because there are, so another myth or another misconception, there are actually just a few fertile days each month or each menstrual cycle that you can actually get pregnant. And this is what we call the fertile window. And it's comprised of the five days before ovulation and the day of ovulation. So how we come up with that is, first of all, sperm, um, theoretically can survive in the uterus in cervical fluid up to five days. Plus the egg can survive about 12 to 24 hours after ovulation. So thus that fertile window is that five days before and one day after ovulation for a maximum of six days. Um, so to give an example of how this might work, um, say like a couple um, you know, whether they are trying to conceive or not, say they have unprotected sex on day 10 of the woman's cycle, and she ovulates on day 14. So the sperm can actually, um, you know, stay alive inside her uterus, waiting for the egg to be released. So as soon as it does, the egg becomes fertilized, and um, which means, you know, you can have sex five days ago, but you're actually conceiving five days later, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, totally. Um, and, and a lot of people <laughs> think that the day of sex is when the egg is fertilized, and that's not always true either. So, you know, now that we know that we can only get pregnant six days of the month, it seems a little silly, right, to pump our bodies full of hormones all month long to prevent pregnancy all month long. Um, but we can talk about birth control in a bit. Um, but back to that fertile window, um, there's another myth, and I mentioned this before, and that's that we always ovulate on day 14 of our cycle. And this is just hardly ever true, <laughs> as you know. So the only way of knowing if you truly ovulate is if we track those primary fertile signs that we've been talking about, the cervical fluid and the basal body temperature. So cervical fluid which, as we mentioned, can be observed on toilet paper when you go to the bathroom. It can be observed in your underwear. And then, you know, it can even be felt when reaching up and touching your cervix. So this is, like, hands down the easiest way to determine, you know, the, that increase of estrogen in your body, which is going to correlate to that fertile window. Um, 
So, you know, that, that cervical fluid, the purpose of it, um, it actually provides, um, it, it increases the survival of the sperm. It um, nourishes it. It's the correct pH. Um, and it also, like when looked at under a microscope, has these little channels that help the sperm swim up through the cervix to meet the egg. So <laughs> that's why it's so important to track the cervical fluid because it literally tells us when we are fertile. Um, but it doesn't confirm when or, you know, when we actually have ovulated. So in order to pinpoint and confirm ovulation, you need that second piece, which is the the temperature reading. So progesterone causes body temperature to rise and that progesterone is released from that egg follicle once ovulation happens. So our, our temperature will actually jump from around, you know, 97.5 degrees before ovulation to about 98.5 after ovulation. So because that progesterone is only secreted after ovulation, and, and causes that body temperature to increase, that is how we're able to confirm that ovulation has occurred. So I just wanna make sure that's clear. Like we can't predict ovulation. <laughs> we can only say, okay, ovulation is about to happen. And then once we see that temperature shift, boom, then we've confirmed that ovulation has happened. Um, so to put that into practice, if, you're, if you and your partner are wanting to conceive, then you'd probably have the best probability of conception if you have unprotected sex maybe once a day for the entirety of those six days of your fertile window. And exactly opposite if you were trying to prevent pregnancy. You both abstain from sex during that fertile window. And honestly, I'd probably give myself a one to two day buffer as well if I was really serious about preventing pregnancy. Um, and then you, know, you can also use a physical barrier method during that fertile window as well. The only issue with that is that if the condom breaks, the risk of pregnancy is super high. <laughs> okay, so super, super helpful. Um, obviously, I do also hear that a lot with couples, like they will maybe try around ovulation, so they think it's day 14, and then they're seeing that they're they're not being able to get pregnant, so they're, you know, looking for other alternative methods um, to help induce ovulation or whatever. Um, but it's really important to understand that during that whole week, um, you, your best chances, as you said, it's going to be, you know, five days before ovulation, not just on ovulation day, because you also don't know if it's day 14. So that's why this is so important to track, because then you're going to know which days are going to be the best. Um, and that's going to really enhance your chances. So I think that is a common misconception around the day 14, as you were talking about. Everyone thinks that tends to think that it's day 14 or nothing, but it's pretty rare for, you know, as you mentioned, for women to have their ovulation day on day 14, especially every month, it's always going to change. So really important that you mentioned that. Um, and for women who have trouble conceiving for them to track their cycle is going to be really, really helpful for that. And as you were talking about birth control, um, synthetic birth control, I want to talk a little bit about that. So if you want to go into maybe some of the most popular types and what, in your opinion, what is it, like, what's your opinion on birth control? Yes. Well, you know what? A lot of women don't even know how birth control works. 
and it's really hysterical, but like not even doctors understand how birth control works. So like I challenge all of you ladies next time you go to an appointment, like ask your doctor how this works and um, see what they have to say because a lot of them don't know, which is not their fault. They've not been taught it, but just reiterating the importance of this issue and how much it is just not very well known. Um, so, so hormonal birth control, meaning we're using synthetic, you know, some kind of combination of synthetic ethanol, estradiol, and progestin. Um, it's, it's going to interfere with your body's natural hormone rhythm and thus preventing ovulation and thus preventing the chances of pregnancy. And, you know, obviously there are a couple types. I like to group them into two types of the hormonal birth control. So one we call combination with hat, which has both the, that synthetic estrogen and progestin. So some examples are going to be the pill patches, um, Nuva ring is another one. And these work by, um, impairing that signal between the pituitary gland and ovary. So you're essentially shutting down ovulation and the ovaries are, are really in hibernation mode. Like you're technically in a chemically induced menopausal state. So your ovaries are not producing estrogen. They're not producing progesterone. Um, and these two hormones, you know, they're not just involved in our reproduction, like they're involved in many tissues in our body. So the fact that we're shutting these hormones down in such an early age in women, um, I think we should be taking a little more seriously. Um, but the, the second way it creates um, or it prevents pregnancy is it creates a really inhabitable environment for the sperm to survive by changing that mucus we've been talking about. So there, there won't be any creamy or stretchy egg white cervical fluid. Um, it becomes really sticky, um, sort of like, you know, it would be at any other point besides ovulation. Um, and then it also destabilizes the uterine lining, making it impossible for an egg that for whatever reason got fertilized, it wouldn't be able to implant and grow. And so the, the progestin only type, the second type, um, doesn't have the, the synthetic estrogen and is considered quote unquote, um, you know, safer, better, however you want to label it than the, the combination. And these include IUDs, implants, the mini pill, and also the shot. And so they just contain the progestin. And so they're just working on making that environment in the uterus really inhabitable for sperm. Um, and then also destabilizing the uterine lining. So some women are, their ovulation is impaired, um, but most are not. Um, so I think that's a, that's a clear distinction between the two. Um, the progestin only claims to not impair ovulation. So your ovaries are still working just like they would. Um, we're just making the uterus really inhabitable for sperm or fertilized egg. Um, now, of course, there's the non-hormonal contraception. So we're talking about the copper IUD here, and there's no hormones involved in this one. So this might be considered like the third best option. Um, so it works by creating, similar to the IUD, um, kind of this inflammatory response in the cervix. So preventing that cervical fluid and survival of the sperm. 
Um, it should not by any means impair ovulation. Um, I'm still a little cautious about this one because, uh, you know, just like anything in the body, like we start, we start putting things in our body, like heavy metals, for example, like they're good. They're not just going to have a localized effect in our cervix. Like there, it's going to be, it's going to become circulation. It's going to affect other tissues that have, um, you know, receptors for copper and things like that. So um, there have been a lot of like nervous system side effects. So things like anxiety, panic attacks, depression, brain fog, um, and just general fatigue. Those are some of the side effects for um, the copper IUD. So not super sold on that one either. Um, and then lastly, what we've been talking about, fertility awareness method, which would be a, a natural birth control method. And so for natural birth control that we've been talking about, fertility awareness method, do you recommend this for everyone? Is this for certain people and not for others? What's your opinion on that? Right. So we talked about tracking, right? Tracking is for everyone. But if we're using this to prevent pregnancy, that's when we start making some fine lines. Um, so, I mean, to answer your question, it's not for everyone. It's, it's definitely intended to be used by people, you know, in committed relationships where both partners have an equal investment in preventing pregnancy, right? Um, you know, both partners are involved in keeping track of the cycle or at least communicating about it, um, communicating about your fertile window, things like that. And kind of having a, a plan B like condom available um, if the time arises. So in, you know, it, it's also going to work best for people who have quote unquote regular and consistent cycles. So, you know, that are occurring every 21 to 35 days. Um, they've been tracking regularly. They, they kind of have this trend. They really understand how their body works, how ovulation looks for them. And they feel confident in um, determining their, fer their fertile window. So, um, you know, you can still use period tracking apps if you have an irregular cycle, but you're likely going to want to err on the side of caution. So, you know, you might be advised to use more protection um, or have more protection days than not. So having like a, a four-day buffer <laughs> on either side of your fertile window uh, would probably be best advised. And... Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't even cover this aspect today, but you know, if you do have irregular cycles or say you're coming off synthetic hormones, the data that you're retrieving from all of this period tracking, it's going to help you lead you to the path of healing. So, you know, depending on the symptoms you observe, whether it's estrogen dominance, low progesterone, you're not ovulating, um, you know, you can work with a functional doctor or qualified coach and they can lead you back to that hormonal balance and, you know, back to a regular and consistent cycle. Yeah. And if somebody is really confused, cause I know for me too, it's taken a lot of like research and experimenting and even, you know, talking with other doctors, um, about, fertility awareness method is there any like are there any resources or even like coaches or anybody you would recommend to check out to kind of understand that more because I know it can be very confusing especially if you're using it to avoid pregnancy or to increase the chances of pregnancy do you have any recommendations on that yes um so one podcast 
um, that I would recommend women start listening into. It's called Fertility Friday with Lisa Hendrickson. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. She has a whole podcast dedicated to this stuff. She'll bring on, um, you know, some of her clients and they'll talk about, you know, copper IUD side effects or like a lot of different N equals one um, anecdotal stories about coming off the pill and things that happened. So I think you could find a lot of information there. Um, the book that I would highly recommend is called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Yeah, I highly recommend that one too. <laughs> so good. Yeah, talk like about a Bible. book on <laughs> understanding everything we just talked about. Um, that's a really good one. So I think between those two sources, um, you know, you're going to want to read it, but you're also going to want to apply it. Like if you read this stuff, it's going to go right over your head. It's, it's getting in, it's tracking on your app. It's thinking critically. It's asking questions. Um, you know, that's how you're really going to learn about this stuff. It takes a little, um, effort on the front end, but oh my gosh, it's the best thing I have ever done. Um, it's coming off of hormonal birth control, becoming aware of my body and, you know, especially for women trying to conceive here. Um, you know, it can, it can save you, um, a lot of heartache down the road as far as for, you know, fertility treatments and things like that, because your know, doctors aren't teaching you this. They want to get you in there. They want to get you on a pill. They want to get you on a treatment. So, um, you know, first educate yourself, um, try this stuff out. And then, you know, when, when you're having issues, then go and use those tools. Totally. I think the natural way is always the first place to begin. And then if there's, you know, a big issue, then look into something else. But I've read so many stories too, like even in taking charge of your fertility, there's a lot of stories about women who can't conceive, but because they think, like I was talking about, that they ovulate on day 14. So they pretty much just have sex on that one day. But of course, that's not going to work if you ovulate on another day, right? So super important to educate yourself first. Um, this was super informative. Thank you so much for all of this. And can you let us know now what you're up to, where we can find you and to share anything that's going on right now? Yes. Um, so Instagram is where I post um, a lot of free content. Um, so honestly, I try to be um, as transparent as possible. Everything I teach my clients or, or write about can be found on um, my Instagram. So if you're a self-learner, self-researcher like me, um, definitely dive in there, um, figure out you know what topics interest you. You can learn a lot there. Um, and that's stesha.rukoff on Instagram. Um, and then my website, stesharukoff.com, where you'll find the more full-length blogs and links to any products and things like that. Um, I do offer coaching for women. And, you know, a lot of times women, they don't come to me for this stuff. It's more like, I want to lose weight or, you know, I want to be better at CrossFit. And then once we get into the nitty-gritty of things, you know, we start tracking cycles, we start optimizing um, hormones, you know, through nutrition and lifestyle stuff. So, um, you know, if, if we are experiencing symptoms, I just want to encourage people to kind of love up on them and embrace them it's because those are the signs that they are telling you that something is not right. And we can use those signs to, um, you know, lead you down a pathway to better health. So reach out if you have questions if you are interested in coaching you can apply at the website 
I love it. I love what you're doing. You're providing so much value to women in this space. So I applaud you for that and for, you know, going through the struggles by yourself, doing the research and helping others from that. I think that's a really beautiful story. So keep it up. Thank you so much for coming on and providing so much knowledge and, you know, experience with my listeners. And um, yeah, I totally love to have you back on because I think we could talk for hours and hours and hours. Oh, absolutely. Like this is just one small speck of it, right? <laughs> yeah, we really had to condense it. <laughs> but thank you again. You are so welcome. Bye, girly.